Grit. I gamble. I really laid out for that one. I'm joined by two members of the collective. The disciple is not with us, but we have Donnie, DP Peters, and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. We are alive. We are potting. And we do apologize for not joining you since before the Super Bowl. But, you know, life happens. And honestly, besides free agency and the draft, which we don't really cover that much anyway, not much football going on. But OTA started yesterday. The new season is going to creep up on us sooner than you think. So we're going to take today to get things going again. And we'll be weekly, I believe, moving forward, or at least trying our very best to be as we preview and then enter the 2019-2020 NFL season. Mo, DP, good to talk to you. Mo has been on a tear. I don't know at what point in his poker tear... uh, we were at last time. I think you just busted heads up uh, prior to the Super Bowl, Mo. But you've since uh, shipped a ring. You're crushing skulls. What's it like? What's it like to be Mo Nuwara right now? Life's good. What can I say? The experiences uh, finally line up for me. And, uh, well, doing things for me that I can't talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, we're keeping it family friendly. Um, and... Yeah, just getting ready for, you know, heading to Vegas the summer as usual. Maybe find some futures value on there. Um, buy some tickets for uh, uh, Brett's 90 to 1, whatever he yeah. he uh, decides on this year. We'll have to see what he likes. Uh, last year it was the Slurs. The year before it was the Chargers before anybody thought they were. And Slurs would have been more interesting last year had Alex Smith not completely destroyed his leg. Things exciting in the DP household as well. My man is now married. If you follow us on social at GridIronGamble, you would have seen that the entire crew was in Maine for the wedding. DP, congratulations. From from the pod love, pod audience on the nuptials, how's life? Thanks, man. Life's good. Can't complain. That's it. Just, just life's good. Can't complain. Just the dead fish right in my lap. I mean, yeah. What do you want me to say? I got... Listen, when... I, if people on the podcast don't know when Mo wins, I win ninety percent of the time. So I'm feeling great. Um, I hit some slot jackpots recently out here in Vegas, which never happens to me, which is great. Um, I mean, Mo's gearing up for a different kind of summer that I'm gearing up for. Uh, both going to be out at the World Series of Poker, but his role is going to be a bit more intensive than mine is. But still, very much looking forward to that. I hadn't covered a World Series of Poker in uh, my last one was 2016. I can't even remember, um, but I'm like a weird person, and I really like to get out there and get into say, it. So. I was gonna say you you want to switch roles with Mo, like you you want to be grinding 15 hour days on the Amazon floor, like that's what you're yearning for. Well, I, I don't know if I'm if I want to go that deep into <laughs> it. Like I don't want I don't want to be grinding in terms of like being the reporter. I want to be the manager again. That would be great. But I, I'm I'm gonna see what we can get out of there in terms of content. Um, I, I, f- I feel like like poker content, I mean, listen, Mo does great stuff um, when, when he produces content. I, I mean, we've talked about this separately before, but I feel like he, he gets a little bit misused at times. Um, but my goal is to basically shit on all the content for the summer. Oh, damn. I, want, I just want to be, 
I just want to produce the best content and get out there and do as much as I can. So we'll see. I've already planned that it's going to be about four hours of sleep every night for 50 days. So let's see how that works. Yeah. The talent wasted on live updates is sad for sure. Anybody can write a blurb, but I've always enjoyed, I mean, the goat article that, that Mo writ, uh, wrote, writ, wrote was on uh, the serial railer. The man who showed up every summer, the high school teacher, can't think of his name, the ultimate sweater, but he's not been around real, uh, recently, right? I'm worried. Worried about my man. Not really, yeah. But that's going to be Donnie in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, just why Donnie was so interested. Just talking the rail with his cooler full of sandwiches and drinks, just silently watching as people Heck yeah. waste away at the World Series. Legendary stuff. So yeah, be sure to check out these articles that Donnie is uh, saying are going to be amazing over at Pocket Fives. They are also a part of the RG family. Also check out all the great stuff they're doing at SharpSide.com. Make sure to download the SharpSide app both on iOS and Android. It's a great way to track all of your bets and you can participate in the leaderboards. I know they have some great giveaways and whatnot. So check that out. SharpSide in both the Apple and Google Play stores. All right, let's quickly go back to early February. It wasn't a fun game. I feel bad for the majority of Americans or even beyond Speak that. Speak for yourself. Beyond that, <laughs> citizens of the world that had to sit and endure a 13-3 slobber knocker from Atlanta, Georgia. But ultimately, it was DP's New England Patriots who once again lifted the Lombardi Trophy. They beat out the Rams, who seemed wholly unprepared for the game, did not know when to switch styles in the fight, and just kept throwing the same jab combination as they intended to before kickoff, and it ultimately was their demise. Uh, Mo, you and Brett had the Rams going into the game. Just quickly take us back. Uh, this is an, an ultimate first take topic, but the Rams lost that Super Bowl more than the Pats won it, right? Yeah, that was just uh, what's his name? McVay got the he got just pantsed on national television, and embarrassed. I just don't even like know what to say about that guy. I think he must be the most overrated coach. I mean, Rams had such a talent. Shit the bed, and he shit the bed last year too against the Falcons. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I got wrecked pretty hard. Rams minus two and the sad death of my Rams 14 to one positive EV future. But uh, luckily I killed on profs. So got some of that value back for sure. Uh, definitely a, a large amount, to be honest. Uh, just, you know, when you're firing the sharp side of most of these props, you're usually going to be on, obviously, like every under came in. So um was just firing mostly unders there. And uh, yeah, the props cleaned up. DP, McVay got pantsed. He allowed himself to get pantsed. But the pants, pantsing, if you will, was done by the GOAT. Belichick did it again. Coaching circles around everybody, everybody's favorite, the, uh, the prodigal son of the NFL, Sean McVay, made to look like a child by the GOAT, Bill Belichick. It was ugly, but like you said... Uh, there were a couple people in the northeastern corner of the United States that enjoyed that game despite the low score, right? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I try, so I was, I was thinking about this this podcast and prepping for it a little bit, and I was trying to think back because I knew we were going to talk about the Super Bowl, and, and I was like, man, there was like what there, there was the one drive when the Patriots scored that was exciting, you know, from like an entertaining perspective, and I couldn't think of much else. I mean, yeah, Stephon Gilmore had that that game ending interception, but even that was like, eh, you know, it was kind of like whatever. Um, I mean. I, I didn't really expect the Rams to get in the the end zone there just just because of Jared Goff and and the way that McVay, I mean Mo talked about it a lot the way that he coached throughout that whole game just didn't seem like they had it for whatever reason. Um so it was just I don't know, it was a bit of a lackluster Super Bowl. Um not that fun. Obviously it's good for a Patriots fan like myself for for the team to get the win, you know, don't get me wrong, but just thinking back on it it wasn't great. It wasn't really that good in any any sense of the way. I mean, the Patriots won by defense and running the ball, which is not the Patriots MO for the last what 20 years, um, which is really interesting. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how they are going forward. It seems like they're going to be more defense and running the ball. And, and listen, if that's, if that's what Bill Belichick is going with, I mean, he's like the ultimate amoeba when it comes to being a coach, he can, he can adapt and he can do anything unlike what Sean McVay did. And now I'm left with kind of some questions on Sean McVay. I mean, yeah, he turned that team around after Jeff Fisher, you know, left it as a dumpster fire and he brought them to the playoffs twice and now he's brought them to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, what is he ultimately? Is he just like a really good regular season coach that gets his team high flying, but then, you know, when everything matters, he can't pull through? I mean, still getting to the playoffs one year and then getting to the Super Bowl the next year seems like it's a, the, the progress is in the right direction. Um, we just got to figure out if he's able to take that that next leap because it, it seemed like when he was matched up with the Titan that is Bill Belichick, he was not in the same ballpark whatsoever. Which, to be fair, is the case for most coaches that face off against Belichick. They they just they either don't have the pieces to compete with him, or they don't have the wits to counter any of the moves that he makes. Honestly. This game got exciting to me at the beginning because I was obviously anti-sweating the Patriots when the first pass that Brady threw was intercepted. They ran the ball at four or five times to open the game, and then first pass was just an absolute duck intercepted by the Rams. They obviously could not take advantage of it. And then the rest of the first half, I mean, it ends 3-0 first half. I mean, just... And then, and then we have to watch Maroon 5 at halftime. I mean, just ab- about the worst start to a Super Bowl. Uh, possible. You, you talked about the over under. It was super high. Yeah. You know, everyone's like Rams Patriots. Here we go. 75 points. Yeah. It's one of the highest ever, right? It was, was it in the sixties, low sixties? I mean, this is another spot where like Mo said, you know, you kind of just kind of always want to bet unders if you're just blindly betting. I mean, this was, you know, it's the biggest game of the year. These players are probably going to be a little bit tight. At least some of them, um, especially on the Rams side with, with lack of experience in this spot. Um, that game is just a monster in and of itself with the way it plays out. So taking the under when you think that these teams are just going to go off. I mean, the the Philly and and New England one was such an outlier that I think people just look at that and they're like, oh my God, 95 points. Let's go nuts. I'm trying to look up the total now. Uh, ESPN has a widget that usually gives you the total. And I think they what their, their last number was the live total because it says over under 22. Not possible. <laughs> Literally not possible. Unless it was the last live over uh, total that was given in the game, I'll check that out in a sec. But so on this pod, we're gonna do fifty six point five, fifty six, fifty six, and you didn't even have a sweat. 
Not a single sweat. It wasn't even. They could have put a whole nother game and not been over. <laughs> Insanity. So we're going to look back and give you some winners and losers from last season. Some winners and losers from the draft. And then we are finally going to announce the raffle winners to all of you that have been in our mentions. I can't even be mad at you. You know, we've let you down, but we will be giving out those classic NFL jerseys at the end of the episode. Winners and losers from last year. I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to keep things negative to start. We got a couple of East Coasters and then a miserable moose, so we can keep it negative. And I'm going to start with the losers. And to me, DP kind of alluded to it, and Mo's negativity as well. I think it's got to be the Rams. They get through the harder of the two conferences. They get the biggest break of them all with the phantom non-pass interference in New Orleans. They somehow go on the road and win the NFC Championship. And they get to go to the Super Bowl where they don't let it all hang out. Like I said, they kept their combo, uh, their, their jab combo consistent. They didn't switch it up. They didn't zig at all when Belichick zagged and they got embarrassed on the grandest stage. Now they have to go back and go through the NFC again, which includes a hungry Saints team that wants nothing but revenge next season. And they have to do so without Roger Saffold, without LaMarcus Joyner, without Mark Barron, without Ndamukong Sue. They did add Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, but I don't think that makes up for that uh, Barron-Suh combo. They're really thin on the D-line. Any injury, any injury whatsoever to Donald or Fowler, and their strength is going to be turned into a weakness. And the world knows what we all think about Jared Goff. Uh, The blow-ups are coming. So I think we saw peak Goff last year. And we saw one of the better D-lines you'll ever see. And I'm worried about what regression might look like on this team as other teams around it in the tougher conference may get better. So, Rams. Have you heard anything about Todd Gurley? Well, that's another thing. Is that because he, like, I thought about the Rams, um, but, but then I was like, you know what? I feel like Todd Gurley comes out of this as the biggest loser from that team or Super Bowl or playoff run. Well, yeah, his knee, evidently he's got arthritis. That that seems to be the strongest narrative coming out of there. Obviously, nothing has been confirmed by the Rams. It does not behoove them to confirm any injury speculation, nor Todd Gurley, for that matter, to come out and say that I have a debilitative injury on my knee. But all of the speculation, and, and how could he not be injured? How can... No one with a rational mind chooses to give C.J. Anderson that much work that late in the playoffs, whether it be the conference championship or ultimately the Super Bowl. Like If Todd Gurley is healthy, then you're giving him the rock. I don't think it was a choice of he's playing bad, right? I I think he has to be injured, and... That's another. I think you saw it in the in the Super Bowl is that he didn't look good in the first half, and it seems like he got shot up for the second half because he came out initially like flying, and it was like, oh, here comes Gurley, but then he he you know things dissipated once again. But I feel like that's and and I I heard some people talking, some some analysts and stuff, or some ex football players. I can't remember exactly, but they said that when you take those shots, you can only get them once, either before the game or at halftime. You mm-hmm. can't do two. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's like a choice. Do you want to come out and be ready to go for the start, but then you have a chance to not be ready in the second half, especially after the layoff that is halftime, or you can wait, see how it goes. And then if we need you, we'll shoot you up at halftime and then you can be ready to go for the second half. And it seemed like it was the latter. So yes, Rams biggest losers for me. Also, ultimately there's only one goal in pro football and that's to win the Super Bowl. So get out of here with hanging banners for winning conference championship games. Nobody gives a crap. All right, DP, let's keep it with the losers. Who is your biggest loser from last year? Um, I mean, ultimately I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers just with the way that their whole season came crashing down. The whole thing with Le'Veon Bell all season long was just a disaster. I mean, it was, it was, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he going to sit out? Now it's always going to come back in week six, week eight, week 10. Like, and then all of a sudden he's not coming back at all. And then the whole AB stuff where he just blew up and ended up shooting his way out of town. And then, you know, they ultimately end up, I mean, we talked about it a lot on, on, Gridiron Gamble here is that like the two biggest issues coming out of that team are, are likely Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. Well, those two guys stayed, and two of the most talented guys at their positions, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, are gone, and they didn't get much of a return for either of them. Uh, I think Juju Smith is a really good, uh, really good wide receiver going forward. Um, but I also feel like, you know, some of his production was because they had AB on the other side of the ball, and then also, you know, there's production when. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's on the field that takes away and then he's able to open things up for, for Juju as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what this team is doing going into the season. They, they didn't make the playoffs and then they're just a middler going into the draft. I mean, it just seems like a big giant dumpster fire for such a storied franchise that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, they're every single year, they're the ones that are picked as the the next ones, or at least the biggest competitor, one of the biggest competitors to challenge the Patriots. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's always like going to be them. And it just seems like they've really fallen off. They were just a massive loser in this whole season. Um, it's pretty obvious one, I guess, but I'll just go with the, the new football. They punted off more draft equity for something called Daniel Jones. When could have gotten a QB last year. Um, it just looks like a disaster of a franchise. Uh, as long as something called... Gavin is just clicking buttons over there. Uh, they did get, I think, decent value for Odell, but um, yeah, doesn't things think things are not well in the Meadowlands? It looks like to me. Yeah, Mo, you were like the only human on the planet when the Odell trade happened that you thought the Giants side was the right side. I thought it was okay. Like, I mean, I I thought Peppers was going to be a decent prospect, and then you know they got. I think a first and a third. So, I mean, that's probably fine. You don't probably want to pay Odell heaps when you suck. So, um, I think that, like, they didn't quite get, like, what the Raiders got, you know, with with Mac. But Mac is just a more info player. So, I mean, I get it. Fair enough. All right. Let's get positive. I just, I just okay. don't, just quickly, I just don't understand... Like, I feel like I like the Giants side a little bit, but I also don't understand what they're doing. That's the issue. Like, why would I don't you're drafting a really young running back who's super talented. Odell Beckham's pretty young as well. So, like, what's your plan? I don't really understand. Yeah, that's why I'm like, what are you guys doing? As soon as they reallocated those assets to sign Golden Tate, it was like, all right, these guys literally have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, like if you're going to just like blow it up and like get totally younger and like Barkley's like the reset, okay, I get it. But then you're like, you're getting rid of him and you're signing 
Tate, like you said. And like, why wouldn't you want to keep Barkley and Odell together with with uh, uh, Sterling Shepard as well? I mean, that seems like a good core of talented weapons, and and they're pretty young. And then you should, I get, I, I mean, I would think you'd want to punt Eli, get him the hell out of there, bring someone new in. But it's like I don't really understand what they're doing overall. I mean, like Mo said, they're just clicking buttons. Yeah, one of the the basic questions I've seen is, would you rather have Darnold and OBJ or Jones and Barkley? You know, I think it's pretty obvious which combo you want there, at least in my eyes. At least in 2019 NFL. <laughs> All right. This also feels like a spot where you, I think we might have to look at taking the over for the Giants. Too much negative perception? Yeah, it's just like everyone's like, oh, they fucking suck. And it's like, yeah, but their over-under is like, what, six? God, I mean, they're so bad. I know, they're so, I know, I get it. But it's like it's one of those things where you, you listen, you guys always tell me, just fucking, if, if it's like, it feels like the worst bet in the world, it's yeah. probably the right side. Rule of Mo, if it hurts, it's got to be the right side, right, Mo? Yeah, that's usually the way to go. But sometimes, I don't know, sometimes they don't set the line low enough. Like last <laughs> year on the Giants, I fired Giants under and it came in easily um yeah it looks like you know they 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 try to draft a little bit of some decent talent here um you know they had a bunch of first rounders deandre baker was probably a solid pick but man this d line looks abysmal yeah that's that's another thing is they just handed away olivier vernon no plan whatsoever in new york all right let's get positive mo winner from 2019 who you got or 2018 season. Well, the biggest winner is obviously Bill Belichick because you now even some of the clowns who thought Brady was good that he just like has nothing to do with anything. He's just a, a puppet out there. Um, but uh, beyond that, obvious ones. I think um an under the radar one that I think is going in the right direction is actually the Seahawks. Um, man, they just fleeced the. Chiefs so embarrassing so pissed at the Chiefs management um and I think they're kind of doing a good job over there just like kind of doing a little bit of a of a New England feel what's going on you know like knowing kind of like hitting the reset button before most teams would I guess you know if that makes sense how everyone hangs on too long like the Seahawks are like well we're already like declining so let's get these veterans out um, let's fleece the Chiefs to get value here. Um, gather some more talent and and like start building toward the next good Seahawks team instead of hanging on to the last good Seahawks team as as long as they can. You know that they got big value on on DK Metcalf in the draft. He was projected to be a first rounder in most drafts. I th- think they got him in the third, um, or end of the second, something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think they're they're probably going to be competitive earlier than they would have been um, if they, if they weren't making some of these moves. And nobody develops talent like Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. It's the one thing I banged the table about last year. As soon as the Hawks showed early on in the season that they were going to be a competitive team, I, I said it a million times, the Legion of Boom was not made up of first and second rounders. Those were fourth, fifth, and, and sixth rounders back there. So Pete Carroll... Uh, continues to develop talent, continues to take mid, late, and even undrafted players and make them starters. So yeah, just 
getting rid of some of the the older guys, clearing up the cap a little bit and resetting. Uh, I think Pete Carroll is very confident in his abilities to find some talent, plug some holes, and keep the team competitive while they're restarting. They don't have to bottom out like some of these other awful franchises. Like them going, what was it, nine and seven last year and bowing out in the first round of the playoffs, that was them hitting the reset button, you know? Like that's what a good organization does. It's like when the Spurs in that five and fifteen year, uh five five and fifteen window, right? Five championships in fifteen years. Uh yeah, they bottomed out at the beginning to get Duncan. Uh but or in the at yeah, the beginning years to get Duncan. But for the most part, even their down years, uh, they were still one of the most competitive teams in the NBA. DP, positive last year. Give it to us. Uh, so I got two, but the, the first one's the Colts. I feel like that's too obvious, so I'm just going to kind of gloss over it quickly. I mean, I feel like the Colts took a big leap. Um, Andrew Luck looked all right. That defense looked really good last year, and Frank Reich at coach looks like he's kind of that next big thing, so we'll see how that plays out. I know it was only one year with Reich as the head coach, so we'll have to see how that that uh, works this upcoming season, but uh, I know there's certainly a darling going forward, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. I think they were a little bit of a winner last year, but ultimately he lost in season, but I think he won in the overall picture, and that is Aaron Rodgers because Mike McCarthy is out of the damn picture. Uh, Matt LaFleur comes in as the head coach there up in Green Bay. Um, I mean, I, I feel like this is I feel like this could be a huge FU season for Aaron Rodgers. I feel like he kind of plays with that chip on his shoulder at all times. Um, I think you saw the negative side of the chip on his shoulder last season, especially. Um, and, and if you read into any of the stuff that's come out, um, you know, with the relationship between McCarthy and Rodgers, I feel like, you know, he was like, you know, screw this guy. I'm just going to kind of do my thing, get through the season and, and then get this guy out of town. And now, I mean, Rodgers has to prove that, he could be good without Mike McCarthy because if he has a shitty season, people are going to look at it and say like, Oh, well maybe they should have kept Mike McCarthy. I feel like there's a lot on Rogers going into the season. Um, but I feel like he's someone who, I mean, you guys both know he's su- supremely talented um, and he can certainly do his thing on the field. So I, I feel like this is going to be a really good spot to, you know, pounce on a lot of different, different Packers stuff, uh, win totals, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think he's a winner overall, just given the fact that that relationship is now no longer there between him and Mike McCarthy. Very. Someone told me Rodgers is twelve to one for MVP. Wow. If that's the case, fire. Just go put the house down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I was also thinking, like, why? Why can't the Packers go on and win the Super Bowl? That's probably a really good price. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, is as good as they come. Let's get in there now. I'm really interested from a the Packers from a fantasy perspective because they didn't add a single wide receiver this offseason. They're rolling with obviously Devontae Adams, but they're rolling with those those three sophomores. Marquez Valdez Scantling, Equinamius St. Brown, uh, and Jamon Moore, sprinkling some Geronimo Allison. Like those are the five guys they're gonna roll with, which are which is interesting to me. Uh it was uh Scantling who led the the trio of rookies last year in targets, followed by ESB. So interesting from a fantasy perspective. Uh, one of those guys is going to have a, a monster year, I think. And uh, it's going to be one of those things where I think whichever one you can get late in drafts uh, could be a, uh, a Geronimo Allison or a Jamon Moore. One of those guys could end up being a wide receiver, too, that's like a league winner next year. Especially if they spread the ball around as much as promised from this uh, LaFleur offense. But then again, I mean... 
the Titans sucked last year, guys. Like, are we really that pumped about LaFleur? Yeah, but uh, also, I mean, I don't really put too much stock into who's the quarterback for the Titans. Right, but it wasn't just the quarterback. The offense was unimpressive. It was not create. It looked like the same stupid smash mouth crap with, uh, I'm blanking, running back, Alabama, big guy, 22. Can't think of the kid's uh, name. Um, yeah, I can't think of his name either. <laughs> Jesus. Derrick Henry? It's May. Derrick Henry. It, 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 looked, it looked like the same Smash Mouth. What was it? Uh, exotic Smash Mouth. That was the coin termed two summers ago. It looked like the same crap. So I don't know. I, I'm a little reserved, but they have the goat at quarterback. So anything is possible. Uh, I'm going to make Mo very angry with my winner from last year. And I, I got to say, it has to be the Kansas City Chefs, guys. Yes, the season ended in disappointment. And yes, I'm grading this before the uh, Frank Clark trade that Mo alluded to, which I did not love. But guys, it was confirmed that they have a generational quarterback under center, and they have him for two more years on the rookie scale, and then his fifth-year option is going to be like 50% of market value. So they have an absolute steal at the quarterback position for the next three years. Let's see what they can do around him. Again, don't love the Frank Clark trade, but just with that starting point alone, Patrick Mahomes for free for the next three years. Mo, Chefs, massive winners. No. No. <laughs> not at all. Why? Why? I'm kind of with Rich. As well, long as they... Is just... Go ahead. This Mo. team is just going to be the, the Packers of the last 10 years. Like... We will bink one Super Bowl, but it'll be through stumbling mismanagement of everything on every level just because the B just drags everybody to victory. Like, I just am. They had a chance to just set everything up to be elite for 10 years, just making redskin moves left and right and just <laughs> like punting off value everywhere. And they might get away with it. Like, just like the Packers got away with it with Rodgers and just winning 12 games every year and winning a Super Bowl. But it's not going to be as good as it should be just because clearly management is completely branded. Again, didn't love the Frank, the Frank Clark trade, and they could screw this up. But man, do they have a massive head start by having the quarterback problem solved for free over the next three years. And they were so all, close to it. All about getting that QB on that, that rookie contract, and he's the guy. And he's clearly the guy. Like, like he's, he's clearly he's the, the talent. He literally might be the best. And, and Andy, listen, Andy, I make fun of Andy Reid a lot, but he's not awful. Like, he's he's certainly in that, like, second tier of coaches in the league behind Bill Belichick. I mean, is so my question would be, if, if why, why aren't they all in right now? Like, while Mahomes is on this rookie contract, and he's clearly, like, talented and got the skills and all that sort of stuff. Like, you don't even need to see any more of him. You just know it's there. You knew it was there week two. Well, they think they're all in. They, they went out and they traded for Frank Clark. They signed yeah, Honey Badger. Like all in as it good. Yeah, like, they think they're all in right now. They, but, but those, I agree with Mo. I didn't love the Frank Clark trade. And Honey Badger, whatever. But... To them, their mentality is they are all in. They're getting older guys, and they're paying a premium for them to try to set up this run that's going to happen in the next couple of years. 
interesting to yeah. see what they do when Tyreek Hill gets banned for life, though. That's good. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting as well. <laughs> Get all the Sammy Watkins in Dynasty. All right, draft. Let's go losers again. And, uh, yeah, we could just pile on with what Mo said and just destroy the Giants, which has been done a million times over. I, I think my favorite thing about the Daniel Jones saga, my favorite stat was one of his final games last year, not the final game, but a later game, I think perhaps in October or November, he lost 52-7 to to Wake Forest. Come on, man. Like, imagine the six overall pick at a quarterback scoring seven points against Wake Forest. Just can't happen. My biggest loser, though, I'm going to go off the board. How about the Houston Texans? So the Texans going into the draft had one objective, one very simple, singular objective. Let's get guys to protect Deshaun Watson. It was their biggest deficiency last year. They're very solid everywhere on the football field except for on that offensive line. They've got eight picks going into the draft, three in the top 55, four in the top 86. Let's go out and get some guys to protect Deshaun Watson. What happens? They sit and wait. Their pick is number 23, and ho-hum, the Eagles trade right in front of them at 22 and take the top tackle in the draft, Andre Dillard. Instead of being proactive, they let themselves get sniped. And then they compound their mistake by freaking out and drafting something called Titus Howard, who is a tackle from Alabama State, who all the mocks had going in the mid-second round. Guys, if you have one singular need, move up a couple spots, get the guy that you need, and protect the quarterback. Instead, they blow up and they take something out of Alabama State to protect Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien, good job, buddy. Come on. DP, I thought he was Bill o- uh, Belichick coaching tree. What? He is. He fucking sucks. They all suck. All the whole Bill, Bill Belichick coaching tree blows. I don't They're so it. bad. I don't get it. And and the, like, has any of them been good? Josh McDaniels went and he sucked, and now he's back. Like, it's like they're all they're all horrible. And the funny thing about it is, the, this was a luxury pick for the Eagles. Like, Dillard is going to be the backup left tackle until Peters uh, can no longer play, which could be sooner rather than later. That big boy was struggling towards the end of last season, but. Uh, absolutely clowned the Texans by sneaking right in front of them and taking the only player uh, that they needed. So Houston Texans, do better. DP, draft, loser, give it to me. I mean, obviously the Giants, but that said, I think the Cardinals are a loser here. I'm not a fan of Kyler Murray. Wow. Um, I I think he's too much of a gimmick. Wow, this is a take. Well, I I just feel like why... The whole thing is like you just drafted Josh Rosen in the top 10. Like you you fired your coach. So clearly the coach wasn't working and you had a shitty offensive line. I mean, even players like Larry Fitzgerald come out and they're like, you know, what's what's Josh Rosen going to do when when he has no time to throw the ball, no protection whatsoever, that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't think that this in any way, shape or form was on Josh Rosen. I like Josh Rosen. I think he's a he's a good prospect. 
Um, I mean, he was he was drafted high, as I just mentioned, and and they just went and, you know, they went and just traded in the, the BMW for, you know, the shiny new toy that is, you know, we don't really know what it is. It's like a, a mystery thing. And I'm just I don't know. I mean, I think Kyler Murray is going to be all right, but I think people are too quick to make him to be the next Russell Wilson or even the next Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's going to be as good as those two. I know we have a very limited sample size on Baker Mayfield, but that guy, that kid looks like he's just got the stuff. Um, and so I just don't understand what the Cardinals are doing here. Um, you know, they just, they, I, and, and in a bigger picture, there's like too much of this in the NFL where the, they don't give anyone enough time to like make anything work. So yeah, I think the Cardinals ultimately for me, they're a loser in this whole thing. I really do think they are. Interesting. I don't know. I, I definitely, I saw a lot of Cardinals best grade from the draft, which I, I didn't like because I don't think people were including the Rosen trade in their grading process, which the Rosen trade was a loss for the Cardinals, without a doubt. They did not get proper value for a guy that they just took top 10 in the draft. So any grading of their draft process needs to include that trade, which is a massive ding. That being said, I'm I'm a little more bullish on Kyler Murray. I think where the NFL is going, the rules protecting the quarterback, the openness of offenses... Uh, I think Kyler Murray will have an opportunity to be great. But again, I'm not an unprofesh guy. So I will turn to the man that is, the man that watches more unprofesh than either of us, for sure. Mo, thoughts on Mr. Murray? I'm not really a fan, but uh, it takes a lot for me to be impressed by most unprofesh QBs. Um, I don't, it's just hard to imagine that's the size of a cornerback being able to just like find receivers and speed. Um, so I'm pretty. That being said, uh, I actually had the cards as a winner because of Curry, but I liked some of their other picks. Um, something Andy Isabella said about him, and then Murphy, big one for me. I mean, they got him in the second round when he was like projected to be top 15 in a lot of drafts, I think. So, uh, and then Hakeem Butler seems all right in the fourth. Uh, he was a just super wide receiver at Iowa State. Um, so I, I think the cards did a pretty good job overall. Um, just not, like, too excited about Murray. Maybe he'll work out. I don't know. But um, I wouldn't pick him number one overall. But, uh, yeah, I like some of their other picks. Yeah, Hakeem Butler was nerd Twitter's top receiver in terms of composite scores, everybody, and production from college. Hakeem Butler was beloved by the folks that are out there grinding the models uh, before the draft. Mo, we'll keep it with you for your loser. What you got? Um, well, there's some obvious ones. Um, Pile on. I guess it would be Pile the Chiefs, for oh. sure one. Um, putrid trade, and then we did finally pick. Um, they picked something called Miko. Uh, never heard of it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. In the second round, I wanted the Chiefs to pick. Um, obviously, like I was hoping when those corners started falling, the Chiefs would get their hands on one of the corners. Or um, one of these that's actually good would have been nice. Um, maybe an offensive tackle since they were slipping. But no, something Miko. Um. Yeah, and then something, man, some of these picks. I just don't even know what some of these <laughs> players are. Uh, 
and then the Raiders. The Raiders was obviously that that was the big one for me. I mean, I just couldn't even believe some of their first rounds they were going with. I don't know what in the world they were thinking with some of these picks with some of the uh, elite talents on the board like Josh Allen and um what's his name? Oliver City in there. And then they go with Cleveland Farrell. Um and then they who else? Well, take, uh, running back in a first round. Yeah, they take the Possibly first running back good. at 27, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, uh, 24. Then their next was 27, and he wasn't even like one of the top safeties, I don't think, on the board. Um, and yeah, just it's all just a mess over there. It's not going to be unmessy until people who are making a lot of money lose their jobs. Vegas Raiders, DP, you lining up for season tickets? Hell no. Screw with the Vegas Raiders. That might be the biggest loser in this whole fucking situation is the city of Vegas. Oh, wow. That's brutal. All right, Mo, is your official winner the Cardinals, or do you have another winner for us? I didn't know I had to only have one official winner. I got a few. Um, you can sprinkle them. It's fine. Your, your New York Jets. I like what the Jets did. Big they Q. Grabbed- Quinn and Williams, people, Big a lot of Q. people had him as the top player in the draft. And then um, uh, the big one for me was in the third round, grabbing Ja'Kai Polite, who was like, he was projected to be like a top five pick, I think, early in like this season. And then for sure, like a first rounder the whole season. And then he just, I guess he just like blew it at the combine. But man, he's good at football. So how did mine in the third Um. Then uh, the and another one is is the the ribs actually. This is a weird one for me because I actually was pretty low. Like I said, it's hard for college to impress me. Not I on Haskins really, but I think like gambling on him at fifteen is probably be good. Uh, a good pocket patter like. He's actually the type of QB I usually am a fan of. Um, but, man, he's just so putrid when under pressure. Just, like, everything goes out the window. So, I, I don't know. They're going to need to get a really good O-line to make it work, I think. But I think gambling at 15, the most teams are treating QBs nowadays, like how many resources teams are spending to trade up to get QBs. The fact that they didn't up, suck at team and still got... Um, a guy that some people had as the top QB in the draft. Um, I think I would have rather gambled on him, Murray, to be honest, just based on his pocket passing. But uh, yeah, I, I thought the Redskins uh, did a good job there, um, just not like blowing their loads and and just like moving up the draft for for no reason, as it turned out. Yeah, you stole mine. I'll skip DP for a second. I think the slurs are the winners from the draft. Again, the cheat code is competent to good quarterback on the rookie scale it's hard to go out and have a plan and do it like you said the slurs they didn't trade up they stayed where they were Haskins fell right into their lap at 15 they took another gamble later they had an additional third uh, fourth round pick so they fired it on Bryce Love who you know it, it could be a situation where Running back with bad legs, who knows? But that dude was badass at Stanford, so might as well gamble with a an extra fourth rounder on him. So I think the slurs 
had a really good idea going into the draft. They took value, value that can really boom and really have a positive effect. And I got to say, I'm impressed with what they did. And especially uh, them not panicking after the Alex Smith saga, losing uh, a guy who they planned on having at the quarterback position for a couple of years. That's a situation where you could see Schneider or even any any kind of ownership person going into the room and making a panic, rash decision, but they didn't. They stayed pat. They took 50, uh, Haskins at 15, which I think is tremendous value. So good on the slurs. They're my winners in the draft as well. DP, finish us up. Give us your winner for the draft. Well, like Mo stole yours, Mo also stole mine with the Jets. Um, <laughs> I really like what the Jets did, specifically with these first two picks, Keenan Williams and then uh, Ja'Kai Polite. Just not quickly on Polite. I mean, Mo brought up the combine. Can we? Why do teams put so much emphasis on the freaking combine? Like, did they not watch the guy play and like scout him for months and weeks and all this sort of stuff and in actual football games? And now they just, you know, a horse and a horse and pony show out there and they just like, oh, yeah, well, this guy can't run a fast 40 or this guy can't do this. Or this guy can't do that. It's like one day, one hour. And all of a sudden the guy's dropping a ton. It just that whole thing seems crazy to me. Um, but I really like what, what the Jets did. Uh, Williams, I think, is just going to be a force up front on that line. Um, I mean, Greg Williams is now the coach and we know how that guy likes to coach defenses. Um, in terms of, you know, just being a complete nut job and super aggressive and all that sort of stuff, which I think could be super interesting uh, for this Jets team. I like what they did. I, I really like Darnold overall. So, so you know, that they've got kind of that side of things I feel like worked out. I mean, they're going for it with Le'Veon Bell. We need to see what happens there. Um, but then addressing things on the defensive end with Williams and Polite um, at the top, I think are just really good. Polite, a little bit more of a, a boomer bust pick there. Um, but, I mean, he certainly got the talent that he showcased um, throughout college that a lot of people liked. Uh, again, not sure really why he dropped. But, yeah, I like what they're doing. So it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to watch this Jets team going forward. Yeah, the combine is interesting to me because at this point, we do have 40 years of data that we can bucket these players into. And the composite scores are getting sharper than ever. So I think the combine... I mean, it's part of the process, right? The video watching part and the combine part, they're all part of a multi-step process of which you're, you're building your prospect models for. And I think what the combine does is that it gives you a certain um, uh, numerical value when it comes to composite scores, and we can put them into percentiles. And, and Basically, what I'm trying to say is if somebody is an outlier in terms of athleticism where they're not testing as high as most starters in the NFL, I think it's okay to take them, but you should not make it a habit of taking outliers, if that makes any sense. So if you can take a flyer here and there because you have other parts of your evaluation that say this guy, I think he's going to be a good football player, that's fine. But you should not consistently take outliers and expect them to be athletic, even though they didn't test at that same percentile. So I think they're important. I, I used to be very anti-combine until I kind of uh, started to understand kind of the historical data standpoint of it. But you're right. There's obviously going to be outliers. It's just I don't think teams should make it a habit of banking on outliers. How about that for a ramble on the combine. And yes, thank you. Two people picked the Jets. Way to, way to get my, my hopes up for 
the inevitable failures to come this season. Hey man, plus five hundred to win the AFC East. No shot. The Jets are a seven and nine, eight and eight team right now. Let's be realistic. Let's just keep taking baby steps. Okay, it's the time everybody's been waiting for. Time to give out some classic NFL jerseys, courtesy of SharpSide.com. DP's got a list of eight uh, names and jerseys, and Mo is going to be our randomizer. So DP already has the winners, but... Mo is going to be the randomizer for the jerseys right now. So, Mo, before the pod, I asked you to write down the numbers one through eight in whatever order you would like. So, give us the number, and then DP, you give us the winner. Six. Numero seis. Six. We got Bob Cobb, Bob underscore Cobb underscore. And first jersey off the board is. The Lawrence Taylor Giants jersey. It is a white Giants jersey. It's pretty badass. It's one of my favorites of the bunch. So LT, we're going to be here all day, baby. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite NFL. I can't believe they took their taking away mic'd up or whatever the hell that segment was. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, mic'd up. Mic'd up was awesome. I loved it. Come on, NFL. I was upset when ESPN took away jacked up. Um, I well, put obviously. Well, come on, I mean, we all know why. I mean, I just loved watching people get jacked up. Like it, that was just awesome. I mean, that was when football was the best. I mean, these people were getting killed out there. But you know, um, anyway. But yeah, mic'd up was was a lot of a lot of really good fun. Yeah. Brian Cushing, mic'd up goat. Oh my god, taking his helmet off to headbutt people, you fucking animal! All right, Bob Cobb, Lawrence Taylor jersey. Next number from Mo. Two. Dos. Numero dos. Two. First thing, the jersey is a Bo Jackson jersey. And two is oh, no. Mr. Clever Fox. Clever Fox. The GOAT. He's a uh, he's a fellow poker industry media member. Been around. So uh, Mr. Clever Fox getting that black Bo Jackson Raiders jersey. Cosby knows. All right. Mo. Killing me with eight, the suspense. Eight. Ocho. Eight. Cime 011 is getting Jim Brown. Oh, man. The legend. The legend Jim Brown, uh, number 32 for the Browns. The jersey is brown with orange lettering. Pretty badass as well. Definitely an old school look. Awesome. All right. Mo. <laughs> Mo. One. I said one. <laughs> Your internet sucks. Uno. Yeah, you weren't there, man. Uh, so this this jersey is uh, Rich's guy, Mr. Joe Namath. Yes. Uh, this is going to number one, G-Money. G-Money. Enjoy that number 12, the GOAT, Broadway Joe Namath. It doesn't come with a fur jacket, though. Oh. Does it come with swim trunks that you can predict – a championship with poolside. It comes with hitting on sideline reporters. That's what it comes with. <laughs> hey, Susie, I just want to kiss you. What a goat! All right, Mo. Four. Guap. Joe Montagna. Oh, Joe Montagna is going to M. Sarosky. Oh, Sarosky donk. 
Who, by the way, just speaking of these raffle tickets, M. Sarovsky is like, I think he's batting 100. He might even be batting 110 when it comes to picking raffle tickets. I mean, we we might need to like consult with him ahead of our picks <laughs> next year for the Super Contest. I have a chat with him called DGENs. That is the name of the group chat. So I'll just have to funnel in whatever he says into the podcast moving forward. How many we got left? I've not kept count. This is a A plus. Three left. Man. We have uh, one sec because I just. Three Moss. What are the we jerseys? Have Barry Sanders Barry. left. We have Walter Payton. Barry Sanders is going to be the next one. Then we're going to do Walter Payton. And then we're going to do Jerry Rice. So those are the three that are left. Legends. All right, Mo, let's go. Cinco. Cinco. Five. Cinco. Grateful Mouse. The Grateful Mouse. Let's he's getting go. He's getting Barry Sanders in blue. I believe it's silver lettering. But uh, Motor City. Coming at you, Grateful Mouse. He's an old fan of uh, some of the poker podcasts we've been doing. So happy to hook Grateful Mouse up with that. Thank you. My my all-time favorite player. Grateful Mouse? All-time favorite poker player? Barry. Barry Sanders. (laughs) The Bay. Some of the highlights of him on the turf is just insane. Also, go back. For all you youngins out there that have never watched... The goat Barry Sanders. Fire up some Lions clips and then go back and watch him at Oklahoma State. It's insane. It's 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 Reggie Bush at USC on steroids. If you can imagine that. All right, two more. Let's get one, Mo. Tres. Tres. Number three is Ricky Shepard, 13, and he's getting Walter Payton. Tricky Ricky. Or Walter Payton. Walter Payton, another freaking classic jersey. I mean, these jerseys are pretty classic. How do they give the ball to the fridge? That was so... Because he was 600 pounds? That was so (laughs) brutal, though. Like, get my man a Super Bowl touchdown. Poor Walter Payton. All right, the last one, Mo. I have not been counting, so I don't know the number. (laughs) Let's do it. It's the only one left. Seven. It would have been great if you gave me a different number, <laughs> which I was waiting for, honestly. 11. <laughs> yeah, 11. Uh, seven is Jason M. Elson. Uh, Jerry Rice, 49ers jersey in red, coming your way. Well done, gentlemen. Everybody who sent along their picks throughout the season, we thank you. Your support is amazing. Uh, if you heard your name called, reach out to DP. I'm sure he'll be reaching out. Anyway, to get your shipping information and get these classic jerseys. Like I said at the top, we are aiming on weekly from here on out. And then when the season gets here, we'll be doing two a week at least. We're back in the Super Contest already. Oh, yeah. So everyone knows. We're in there. What number registrant were we? I think we were like number four. Number four. And there's another contest in Vegas that we're keeping an eye on that we might be diving into. Yeah. Any way that we can light our money on fire for your entertainment, boys and girls, we're here for it. My dog just interrupted. Uh, (laughs) Keep your eyes locked for that. All right. For DP, for Mo, and for Bert Minotti, who will be joining us again at some point moving forward. It's good to be back. We'll be talking to you shortly. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Peace. Peace.